All right. Well, let's dive right into it. Um, I, you know, I wanted to talk with some people about what it's like to be 40 because 40 is kind of it's it's it hasn't been easy for me because I'm like, OK, when I was like 21, 22, I used to ask people to go to the movies and it would be a 10 o'clock movie. It would be real late. And if they said no, I'd be like, dude, what's your problem? What are you, 40? And so in my head, my whole life, that was the line, right? And so, and so like, here I am, like, right now. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I am 40, and I'm not going to go see a movie after 7. Um, Allie and I go for a dinner in a movie. We eat dinner. Now we're sleepy. We skip the movie and go home and go to bed. Um, and so it's just, uh, it's a different world. Um, and so I wanted to talk with some of you, but... Um, all my friends are, are, most of you guys are all older than me. And so you're like, suck it up, buttercup. You know, you're, you're a young pup. And, uh, and so I had to find solace on my own. And so I made a, a list of things that, um, that seemed to have changed when, when I turned 40. Um, and so uh, I'll share them with you and, and maybe you'll relate to them. Um, your, uh, your favorite bands from high school now play on the classic rock station. Uh, you still own CDs. Does anyone here still own CDs? Absolutely. You remember recording your favorite songs off the radio on a cassette tape so you could have your own mixtape of all your favorite songs. Um, your, when, when I, when I started approaching 40, I started noticing that hair on your eyebrows, ears, and nose start growing in really weird ways. Nobody told me that. Um, when you watch sports, you realize that you're older than every competitive athlete that you're watching. That's awkward. Kobe Bryant had to retire because he was too old at 36. I'm like, oh my goodness. Before you do anything athletic at 40, uh, you consider the likelihood of getting injured. Before you actually jump in. Um, every college age kid I meet... I immediately start doing the math to determine if I'm old enough to be his father or her her father. Do you guys do that? A waiter or waitress comes up to the table. I'm like, you look like you're 20. Yep, I could be your dad. Um, uh, At 40, I'm catching myself walking around the house turning off lights. It's like, there's nobody in here. These lights need to be off. Does anyone do that? Like, I don't know what happened to me. I don't, I don't know. Um, everything I think that happened five years ago actually happened 10 or 15 years ago. It's like, man, you know, 2005 was like yesterday. No, no, it wasn't yesterday. It wasn't yesterday. You remember Y2K? Like, that seemed like that was three years ago, right? We were all like staring at the TV wondering if the power is going to go out, you know, with a, a loaf of Wonder Bread. Uh, you use outdated terms like, did you tape that show or can you rewind that song? Um, you enjoy telling stories about where technology used to be when you were growing up. Um, I, I like telling my, my son what a rotary phone was. And, and I saw a rotary phone. I was like, Luke, pick up that phone and call me. And he started pressing the buttons. He was like, I think this one's broke. And I I tried to explain to him what a pager is. You remember pagers? I was like, pagers were very important. And and it would beep, and there would a a number would come up, and and you're supposed to call that number. And he's looking at me like, you would walk around with a a box in your pocket, 
and if it beeps, you're supposed to call that number. Yeah. And you were really cool if you put it in backwards and, and had different color cases. Um, but nevertheless, here I am and here we go. Um, here we go. So let me jump into the message that I have. Uh, we're in the middle of a series on uh, the resurrection. And uh, I want to just spend a few moments... I'm not going to speak for very long. I just want to talk about what Jesus was doing right before he was arrested. Um, you guys know he was arrested. He hung on the cross. He paid for our sins. Um, he rose again on the third day. Death could not keep him down. He came out three days later. Um, but before that miracle happened, before all this amazing things happened, there were some, some, there were scenes that took place, if you will, scenes. And I just want to talk about this moment that when he was in the garden, uh, it was a garden called Gethsemane. And I want to talk about, uh, five things that happened real quickly in that garden right before he got arrested. And so here we go. This is in Luke chapter, uh, 22 verse 39. And the theme of this one verse is going to be around the idea of, of being tempted. Uh, so here we go. Then Jesus, uh, then Jesus accompanied by the disciples. Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give into temptation. So what Jesus is saying to the disciples, he's like, hey, you don't know it. But in a couple hours, you are going to be tempted to run away from me and pretend like you don't know me. In a couple hours, this is what he was trying to say. You are going to be tempted. And so pray now so that you're strong when it comes. You see, if if J.J. Watt doesn't work out all summer long, and he shows up for his first Sunday game, and he gets down and down, set, and he goes, time out, hold on. And then he runs to the locker room and starts doing some curls. It's too late, JJ. It's too late. You should, you should have been done that. You, you should have done that a long time ago. You, you show up strong. In the middle of the battle, you don't have time to go get strong. And, and sometimes your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And so Jesus is telling him, he's like, look, you're going to be tempted soon. Pray now, because if you pray now, when the temptation comes, you won't, you won't break. You won't crack. So interesting because the disciples fell asleep after that speech. And, and so often we are, are sleepwalking through life, not realizing that there is a lion that's prowling around. You know, for uh, many people, they're, they, they used to take Jesus and their walk with God passionately. And, and then something has happened. And the Bible says that, that their, the, the hearts of many will grow cold. And that their hearts grew cold. And maybe some of you know people like that. That, that is the, the work of the enemy to cool your passion. To, to cool your pursuit. And, and to get you in a lethargic rhythm where you just don't pay attention to them that much. 
that if he's alive, he's alive. If he exists, he exists. I just don't think about him that much. And, and Jesus would come along and say, this is why I wanted you to pray. I wanted you to pray. I wanted you to, to, to cultivate that fire within you because the temptation's coming. There, there, there's a snake in the grass. And, and the enemy loves to come up and send people into our life to, to coerce us. Hey, come on. The Bible says that wide is the road that leads to destruction. It's wide. There's a lot of people on it. It's like Highway 45 on rush hour. It's wide. There's everybody's on it. And there's a lot of on-ramps. Every couple miles, there's another on-ramp. And, and it, there, it, you can just jump on this wide road. This wide road of just, you know, uh, un, unbridled life. Uh, a life with no restraint. A life that just doesn't think about God. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you, I want you to pray. Now some of you in this room, you came walking in with a cold heart. But right now, listening to me, you can feel your passion for the Lord starting to, like a, like a match, uh, or like you start a campfire. And there's a, there's an ember in there and it's like, it's, it starts getting bigger and you can feel your passion. You can feel your love for the Lord starting to, starting to glow on the inside. For some of you, it's the first time it's ever happened. For others of you, it's the first time in a long time. Just know this, that the Lord is doing that. Frankie's not doing that. I don't have the ability to do that. The Bible says that the Lord uses the foolishness of preaching. And so He is causing you to desire Him. And don't ever forget this. You would not desire Him if He didn't first desire you. He desired you and came to get you and starts pulling on your heart. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father unless drawn by the Son. He's pulling you. He's, he's drawing you. So I want to say, when, when you walk out of here, continue to pray. Continue to whisper to the Lord. Pray in your head. Pray in your heart. You're cultivating that fire. Why? Why should you pray? Because temptation's coming. There, there's going to be an opportunity. You can be strong. Here's the next scene that took place. Is this helping anybody? Wave at me. Is this helping anybody? In Luke chapter 22, verse 41, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Oh, this is, this is fascinating. Jesus, the son of God, when he decided to pray, he got down on his knees. In, in one translation, the Bible says that he put his face on the ground. The Son of God. It, when you get on your knees before a person, it is the ultimate display of complete submission. Let me ask you a question. I ask myself this question all the time. When was the last time you got on your knees? When was the last time you knelt down? 
I'm not asking you when the last time you prayed was. I'm asking you when was the last time you got on your knees. There's something about a desperation prayer. There's something about getting on your knees and just saying, oh dear God, I'm, so, I, I'm, I'm serving you. You know, sometimes I have, as, as much as I love to pray, and I really do love to pray, my mind wanders all the time. Like I never pray without a notebook because I'll think of the weirdest things like, Go get milk. And I'll be thinking about milk for five minutes. And I'm not praying because I'm thinking about milk. But as soon as I write down milk, then I don't think about it anymore. So I, I don't ever pray without a notebook because whatever I think about, I just write it down and I'm done thinking about that. But my, my brain, it floats. It, it goes places. And, and so I, I usually start my prayers like this. Dear God, you know my mind goes everywhere. If there's only one thing that I communicate well to you in the next few minutes... And this is when I get on my knees. I want you to know that I love you. I love you and I'm sorry for my sins. And I want to be closer to you than I ever have in my life. If I don't communicate anything well for the next five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, however long I'm here. If I don't communicate very well because I, I start thinking. I want you to know that I love you. See, things like that, there's something about. Getting on your knees. Putting your face in the ground. You say, well, God cares me anytime. Yes. Yes. But, but why, why not get on? Are you defending not being on your knees? Now, obviously, if you're not physically able, because you're like 40 years old. I don't know about you, but I, like things like are cracking that. Like right now I'm doing this and I'm feeling it crack every time I move my knee. It's like crack, 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 crack. What is the deal with that? At least I'm not going gray, right? I'd love to go gray, actually. Give me an opportunity to go gray. If you've gone gray, don't complain to me. That's all I got to say. I'd love to go gray. I'll go red. I'll go purple. Just give me something to go somewhere. Is. My daughter tried to put a barrette in my beard because I had no barrette to put in my hair. And she wanted to dress me up. And she was just looking at me like, I don't know what to do with you. You have no hair. She tried to clip it on my ear. And I was like, baby, there's, there's no hair coming. And she, well, she said, where'd it go? I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Here's the next scene. Um, no, I don't, uh, there's one thing that if I don't say this, then I'm going to regret it. You know, getting down on your knees is such a, uh, an interesting thing. When James, one of the apostles, when they buried him, they, they noticed that his knees uh, were calloused. He had these calloused, his knees, they, they said that his knees looked like camel knees. And I've often wondered, how is it that so many miracles would take place in their life. Some of those apostles were boring preachers and they admitted it. But a miracles would happen all the time. And I've often thought to myself, what's the secret? And then I find out that one of them had camel knees. Because he was on his knees so much. And I go, ah, that's the secret. Here, let's read the third scene. That I've got prepared for you. Luke 22 verse 42. Father if you are willing. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. 
yet not my will, but your will. You know what's fascinating? Is that Jesus is saying, I don't want to do this. I don't like this season. But if I got to do it, let your will be done. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Now here it comes. If I got to go through this, something good better come out of it. Are you with me? Something good better come out of this. Are you with me? That's what Jesus was saying. He said, I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to go through this. But if I'm going to go through this, your will better be done. Let me say this. Don't contaminate your pain by quitting. What do I mean by that? Your pain that you're going through will be your license to take authority in that exact area. Listen to this story, this hypothetical situation. I lost my job. I prayed that I wouldn't be let go. I got let go. I'm so disappointed with God. I haven't been to church in seven months. Here's another one. I got let go. I prayed that I wouldn't be let go. But you know, I believe that God is going to see me through this. I believe that God is with me. And then when you do get a next job, you back up and say, God was with me every step of the way. He was with me when I had an income. He was with me when I didn't have an income. And I just kept on worshiping him. You see the story? You see the testimony? You got to back up and say, if I'm going to go through this, I'm coming out with something. I'm coming out with a story. I'm coming out with a testimony. I'm not going through this for nothing. I'm going to come out talking about it. There's sometimes I've wanted to quit on God a thousand times. And I'll just back up. No, 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 no. Because every season has an expiration date. Amen. And this season's going to be over one day. And I'm going to talk about it. And when I talk about it, I'm not going to contaminate my pain. I'm going to use my pain as leverage to help somebody else get out of their season. I'm going to look at them and say, I know what that feels like. I almost stopped coming to church. I almost stopped worship. I, you say, you're a pastor. I can fake it too. Let's not waste our pain. Here's the next scene that took place. Oh, let me say this. This is a great scripture. In Psalms 119.71, David said, It was good that I was afflicted so that I can learn his statutes, that I can learn his decrees. He doesn't like being afflicted. He doesn't like bad seasons. But by the time it was all said and done, you know what? I'm, I'm better for it. How many people here went through hell sideways at some point in your life? Come on, raise your hand. If you haven't, just lie, because we won't like you if you haven't. <laughs> you ever see someone that just has a perfect life, and you're like, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go through hell sideways, and you come out and go, that wasn't, that hurt. But I'm better for it. Anyone with me? I'm better for it. I don't want to do it again, 
but I'm better for it. Uh, here, here's, here's the next scene I'd like to talk to you about. This is revolving around the idea of strength. In Luke chapter 22, verse 43, then the angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Who strengthened him? An angel. An angel from heaven. Strength. Where do you get your strength? When you're really down, do, who do you call? Have you ever, Jesus, he had to depend on heaven because his friends were sleeping. They, he said, will you pray with me? They were like, absolutely. All right. Dear God, help me. Turns out, I, I, I asked you to pray for, have you ever asked someone to pray? Hey, I need you to pray for me. And then you're like, I bet they forgot. Could you imagine if they just fell asleep? Here, here's the thing. God will allow you to go through seasons where it feels like every loved one you have is sleeping on the job. You have nobody else to turn to except for the Lord because everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Sometimes he will shake you to wake you. You're going through life and he's just, you're just not paying attention to him that much. And, and, because you got this pet project at work that's just consuming you. And all of a sudden he starts shaking that pet project. Oh God, it's time to go back to church. Are you with me? Sometimes he'll shake you to wake you and you back up and you start looking. Where's my friends at? Who's going to help me through this? Who can I call to feel better? I felt this last week. I had this prayer request. I wanted to call somebody and talk about it. I'm like, who am I going to call? I just felt the Spirit of the Lord tell you, you can't avoid praying for this. Let me just tell you, you can't avoid praying. You can't avoid it. He wants, there's only one place that, that your, your answers come from. There's only, some of you haven't been to church in a long time. You came back. Why'd you come back? Because you realize this is where the answers are. This is where the answers are. And I want you to know, if you feel bad that you haven't been to church in a long time, that's not God making you feel bad. That's the enemy making you feel bad. God only knows how to love you. Have you ever met somebody that when they get mad at you, they freeze you out and don't talk to you for like a month? Oh, this is going to get awkward because you might be sitting next to that person. Y'all aren't talking right now. and uh, That'd be really weird. <laughs> You're just not talking. And then it's just not the same. And it's kind of, you know, especially a husband and wife situation. You're just walking by each other like, you know, I don't see you. I don't see you. I don't see you. I don't see you. When it gets too quiet, I know I'm at your house. <laughs> and... Do you know that God does not do that? He doesn't look at you and say, oh, no, 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 it's not going to be that easy. I'm going to freeze you out a little bit. He's only happy. He, he's like when, when you come home and your dog is going crazy because you just walked in. Have <laughs> you ever noticed how happy your dog is when you come in? Some of you are cat people. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Because when you walk in, your cat goes... But us dog people, ah, you're home, you're home, you're home. Every day you walk, you're home. 
can I just say, when you came walking in the church today, every angel in this room are like, yes, welcome back. This is your spot. Nobody's making you feel bad. But, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the reality of the matter is uh, I want us all to just embrace the fact that there is going to be times and seasons where everybody around us seems to just, they don't care enough. You, they don't care the way you need them to care. That's the Lord's way of saying, hey, nobody's standing around you that cares, but I'm, I haven't moved. I heard this old uh, joke about this guy driving a pickup truck and it was one of those, the older pickup trucks where it was just a bench in the front. And I used to drive one when I was in high school. You remember those? that They didn't have bucket seats with a console. It just had a bench all the way across. And, and, and the wife looked at the husband and said, Baby, do you remember when you used to drive the truck? And you used to put your arm around me? What, why, don't, why don't we do that anymore? And he looked at her and said, Baby, I haven't moved. <laughs> I'm still right here. I don't know where you went. Uh, it, and that's what the Lord is saying to us. He's like, I haven't moved. I'm just, I'm, I'm ready. I got my arm out. Let's do this, baby. Let's do this. Let's let, just, just talk to me. Just, just talk to me. Um, let me share this last and final point. It's probably my favorite one. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 44. He prayed, Jesus, Jesus, he prayed fervently. Everybody say real loud, fervently. One, two, three. Fervently. Say it. One, two, three. Fervently. fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. Come on. It's, you know, there's certain prayers, there's certain seasons that you will go through and I will go through where your prayers don't have to be eloquent. They just have to be desperate. It's not a flurry of words where you sound like Abraham or Moses. It's just a desperate cry. Jesus, he, he backed up and said, there's different levels of fervency. And he had to kick it up a level. This isn't a, Lord, thank you for my Cheerios. This is kicking it up a level. Anyone here, you know how to kick it up a level? Come on, raise your hand. You know how to kick it up a level? Let me just tell you this. If you don't kick it up a level, and you haven't kicked it up, your fervency up a a level, I just want you to know, the enemy sees that you're taking a season off. You can tell. Comes creeping into your marriage. And when you're not talking to each other, Satan's talking to both of you. You're building your case about how right you are. He's talking to both of you at the same time. If you, if you haven't prayed fervently in a while, just know this hell has gotten more fervent. They can tell. And let me just tell you, when you pray fervently, most of the time you can't pray fervently with other people in the house. Because it gets a little desperate and messy. You know, there's, 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 there's congregational prayer that we have in the morning, on Sunday morning, congregational worship, where you gotta respect the people around, you can't get too loud, you don't wanna be a distraction. But then there's a private prayer closet. Now that's different. That's when you, it's not about the words, it's about the heart, it's about the desperation. And, and some of you, you gotta hear me say this. This is when you say, dear God, it doesn't matter what 
you say just as long as you say. Dear God, I got to have you. It, you can be as poetic as you want to. You can, have, you can have every word of the English language at your demand. And it will not outweigh one word of passion. I love you. And I need you. And I have to have you. That's a level of fervency. In James 5.16 it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. There's something about fervency. And let me just tell you, um, this is my thing. Uh, what do I mean by that? For those of you that have been in the church world a long time, I need you to talk back to me right now and, and, and help me make this point. Benny Hinn, uh, what, what is his thing? What, what is his ministry known for? What is his thing? Healing, miracles. Joel Osteen, what is his thing? Just say. Encouragement, hope. Uh, Creflo Dollar, let me help you out just for the sake of time. Prosperity. Uh, all these things, hope, prosperity, healing, miracles, they're all important. And, and every pastor seems to have his thing. You listen to this, you listen to a, a preacher 20 times and you'll know what his thing is. Let me just save you some time. Prayer is my thing. You, you listen to me 20 times and you can hear me talk about prayer most of the time. It's my thing. I got, I got asked to speak at something a couple weeks ago. It was the craziest deal. Um, because it, it wasn't at a church. It was for a, a, a business that had 300 employees and they wanted me to come talk to the employees. And I'm like, what am I, Tony Robbins? Are we gonna, I don't even know what to say to employees. And then it dawned on me. They know I'm a pastor. Otherwise they wouldn't ask me. I'm gonna go there and preach then. And, and so I go there, open your Bible. Oh, you don't have them. My bad. Well, I got one right. It just so happens. And, and so I started preaching and, and, and someone in the crowd said, I think he goes to my friend's church. He was trying to figure out what church, uh, I went to. And so she called up somebody that went to celebration said, I think your pastor came to our business, but I'm not sure. Uh, he said something about, you don't have to pray an hour a day just as long as an hour doesn't go by without praying. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's my pastor. That's his thing. He's, he always says that. He's always saying it. He says it. Oh, yeah, he says it all. That's his thing. That's his thing. That's my thing. Let me just tell you now. Fervency in prayer is my thing. You know why it's my thing? Because you can't do it wrong. And it moves mountains. You can't do it wrong. Psalms 56, 9 says that every time, not every other time, not quiet, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every time, every time, every time, every time. If we don't learn anything from the Garden of Gethsemane, let's learn this, that Jesus Christ himself got on his knees, put his face in the ground and cried out fervently for God. And if Jesus does it, some of you may say, uh, excuse me, pastor, he died. That's what you think. He actually conquered death for all of us so that none of us die. See, Satan in temptation has a way of making uh, another option look appetizing. 
another option look like the right thing. But man, when you pray, when you call out on God, when you're desperate, something happens. And you start feeling your heart come back to life again. Why don't you stand your feet for me, please? I'm going to tell you, I feel like this, this last two minutes, three minutes, it's, it's, the, it's the anthem of my life. And, and, and so many of you have friends and family, people you work with. You've thought about inviting them to church. Invite them because they need to hear somebody say, there's an answer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you're at, please? I see hands going up right now. Can we all just raise both hands right where we are? And let's say these simple words, dear Jesus. Come on, let me hear you. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Will you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I spoke a little bit longer today than I normally do, and so if you need to exit to go get your children, I totally understand. The worship team is going to sing a song. If, if you want to sing with them before you leave, you're more than welcome to do so. Be blessed in the name of the Lord.